All right, y'all ready for this thing? Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not. All right, let's go to Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two. Uh, we've been we've been rolling through Philippians now for for some time. Didn't actually mean to do that, but then and then it it just kind of uh, springboarded off into a whole lot of other things. Um, really, the 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 crux of of Philippians chapter number one uh, centered around the gospel, and uh, and it centered around the the off the fruit of what we find in Philippians 1 from the gospel. And I'm talking about fellowship with other believers in the gospel, talking about preaching the gospel, talking about the gospel uh, just to us in general. We find a lot of joy. I mean, just the whole, the whole deal, the whole book, uh, first chapter of Philippians is dealing with this joy that the Apostle Paul had. And every bit of it, every single bit of it comes, uh, comes from, from the gospel. And... And it's huge. It's a really big deal. Why? Why? And, and we're going to get into some things tonight um, that's going to take us further in understanding uh, why what what so maybe some of our problem is uh, behind the fact that we don't have any joy. Um, you, you know, uh, it, uh, there's uh, praise the Lord. We 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 were able to go and and. Uh, See Dylan on Sunday night and, and Monday, and and for real, man, I was super encouraged. Uh, I was super encouraged just by, by by him by his progress, but I was more encouraged just by the fellowship um, that we have in the gospel. <laughs> like it was really crazy. Um, that first night we were there, and he, listen, every day he gets a, like a hundred times better. Like he improves a hundred times over every day. It's the craziest thing, really. It's, it's a mind-blowing deal. But the first night we were there, he would just mumble. He was kind of mumbling a, a little bit, and he was saying, oh, we're just going to trust the Lord to lead us. We're just going to trust the Spirit of God to lead us. And he just kept saying it over and over again. And I, I'm like, all right, well, like we're... Where where are we going? That was that was, you know. I, I mean, he's kind of out of it, but but in his subconscious, that was what he was thinking. You know, like that's all I really got right now, dude. <laughs> like I'm laying. I don't have anything else. We just got to trust the Lord right now. And so it it's been super encouraging. And and so I say all that to say this, dude. There's a whole lot of joy that just flows out of the fact. Man, I'm gonna trust the Lord. Like, I'm just going to trust the Lord right here. Why? Why? Well, because you're not trusting yourself. You're not trusting what you know. You're not trusting what somebody else knows. You're really just trusting the Lord. And, and, and so this is the heart of, of Paul, is when, when, you dis, turn that off. when you decide to put your trust in other things and you decide to place your fulfillment in life and other things, they're, they're going to lead to a place that's never going to bring you peace. It's never going to bring you joy. It's kind of like it's kind of like marriage. If you're dependent on the other person you're married to to make your make you happy, well, you're you're halfway to failure anyway. Like you're halfway there. All you've got to do now is wait on you to fail you, and then you'll be all the way there. Because I can promise you, the person that you're going to marry, I don't care who it is, they're going to fail you. 
And that's where most people do. They, 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 like to, they like to find their fulfillment in what they think is going to bring them pleasure, what they think is going to bring them joy. And Paul says right the opposite. It is the gospel that brings me a new joy. So we're going to go to Philippians uh, chapter number 2. Uh, we're going to start there in verse number 1. And I know we've already went over some of these verses. And uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be in some, some new material, verse 5, here in just a minute. But let's start there in verse number 1. If there be any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of spirit, if any fellowship of the spirit, excuse me, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you, may, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through, vain, uh, through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let every man, uh, let look not uh, every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Okay, so um, here it is. When you read those first four verses, there's a whole lot of anti-Laodicean uh, Laodicean living going on, right? Does everybody understand? There's a whole lot. There's a whole lot of anti-me me and mine going on in these four verses, right? Uh, let nothing be done through uh, through strife or vainglory. Here we are talking about being in one accord, being in one mind. Man, huge one. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Like, how many of you understand uh, that 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 that's not an easy one to do? Like, I I I I'm not sure all of us. I'm not sure all of us even get how deep that actually goes. Let let. Let each esteem other better than themselves. And then he goes, he says it like this. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So, so while you, you get so zoned in on you, you forget all the other, you forget what you used to be with other people. Like you forget, it, it, it happens this way all the time. A person that gets to the place to where they get burnt out on serving they, they get focused in on themselves every time. And usually it's what they don't have and what they don't get recognized for and what they, what they wish they did get seen for and this and that. It's, it's just how, why? Well, because sometimes we get to the place in our life where we feel like we ought to be noticed. Right? And so what ends up happening is we start looking at us and then the joy, the joy just vanishes. The peace just vanishes. It's weird. When I'm going through the, some of the hardest things in my life, just helping other people make me feel better. Like just, just getting out of my... How many of you understand? Sometimes it's better to get out of your problems and help somebody else in theirs. There's a, there's, there's a lot more joy just saying, hey, you know what, Let's, my, my, where I'm at right now is better than where some, some are. Right? Man, let's go pray for them. Let's, let's go call the Lord for them. So, so how, does, how does all of that happen? Well, look in verse number 5. I think verse number 5 is really important. Let this mind be in you. So here it is. The crux of all, how in the world do I get to those first four verses? Man, how do we get there? How do we get to the place to where nothing we're doing is through strife or, or, or vainglory? And how do I look every man on, on, uh, on, on everybody else's stuff rather than my own things? 
verse 5 says you've got to have the mind of Christ. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took on him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in, uh, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at that name, uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and, and things under the earth, and that and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, what, what is interesting is that you you have a guy. I want, you to, I want you to work this backwards with me for a minute. You have a guy that is taking on him the form of a servant, right? And, and he, he is, he's come to a place to where he is going to endure the death of the cross. He became obedient, not just to any death, but the death of the cross. Now, when you look at verse number 11, what you see is glory. What you see is praise. What you see is, is honor. What you see is the glory of God on display. And that, the, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But what you have before that, but what you have before God being glorified is, is Jesus Christ becoming a servant. What, 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 am I, what am I trying to tell you? Jesus Christ is glorified when we become servants. God is glorified when me and you become servants. No, nobody likes being a servant. Everybody likes to talk about being a servant, so they're treated like one. And then everybody's all, well, you think I'm your servant. So, there's a couple of things. If we're ever going to get to the place now, now, how many of you want to make it to? How many of you want to make it to the judgment seat and glorify God? Amen. All right, we want, we want to get there, right? We want to get to the judgment seat. We want to glorify God, right? Well, the Bible's really plain that the only way to do that, the only way to do that, is to become a servant. Why? Well, that's the only that, that's how Jesus taught us to do it. He, he, didn't, he didn't teach us to do it no other way. He didn't say you do this and you do that and you'll be, you'll be this and you'll be that. Well, so, so I want to look at a couple of things uh, tonight. And I want to ask you the question, what would it take for me and you to become real live servants? What would it take for me and you to become real live service? And I'm going to give you some things that I think it would take for me and you to become real live service. Number one, you're going to have to deal with your mind. You're going to have to deal with your mind. He said, let this mind 
What mind is that? It's the mind of Christ. It is the mind of Christ. Now, there, there, is, an, there is an interesting idea to working the mind of Christ. Well, the, the mind of Christ ended in his life, in his, in his life here on this earth before resurrection. It ended where? There's no trick question. On a cross. Sean's like, on a cross, stupid. I didn't hear, I'm sorry. So, so, so it ended on a cross, right? Now, now, let me ask you a question. Are you prepared for the mind of Christ to lead you to a cross? Because if that's what you get, that's exactly where it's going to take you. How do you know that? Well, that's where it took him. So, so, the, so the, the logical conclusion here is it's the only way to, to get to my cross. He said, take up your cross and follow me. The only way to get to my cross is to have the mind of Christ. And the only way to take it up is to be willing to have the mind of Christ, right? Why? Because he's the only one that could do it anyway. He's the only one that could do it in my heart. And so I've got to deal with my mind. I've got to deal with my mind. There's a couple of interesting uh, statistics. Uh, you look at, um, and, and it may not be, it may not be, uh, it, the, polls, the um, polls could be different in various places, but uh, they say that, that Gen, Generation Z is the most anxious generation that this modern world has ever seen. The most anxious generation uh, that this modern world has ever seen. Uh, that 42% of, of them, now we know who's diagnosing them. Everybody, everybody understand who's diagnosing them, right? Do doctors with, uh, with a pen. Everybody understand that? Anybody understand where I'm going with that, right? Most of them are, are doctors with a pen. Or, or they, got, they got a doctor's name, initials in front of them, and they got a pen. They don't got a whole lot of sense, but they got a pen. And it's a good way to make a living in their mind. So, so, but but I, I, want you to, I want you to listen what, what, where, where we're headed. 42% of them have been diagnosed with mental illness. Now, I want you, here, here's another staggering statistic. 57% of Generation Z say they're taking meds for mental health. Almost 60% of Generation Z, that 6 out of 10 people in the Generation Z population are taking some kind of medicine for mental health. Now, now look, I'm not here to say who should be taking what and who should be taking what because that ain't my job. I ain't got the pen nor the initials. But I do have a Bible. And here's what I do know, that, that this generation that we're dealing with has never struggled any harder with this idea of peace, you ready? And joy than any other generation before. They're some of the most miserable people to ever breathe. Why? They, they don't have joy. And I think 90% of them, they don't have peace. 
they're consumed with some kind of technology most of their life. Their, 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 their heads are buried in a phone most of their life, and, and they have very little joy. And, and because, of, because they have very little joy, the, the idea is they have very little peace, and because they have very little peace, they have very little joy. And I want to say, peace and joy go hand in hand. And you'll never have peace without joy, and you'll never have joy without peace. See, we're, we're, we're at a place to where, to where we got to do something with what we got, right? Isaiah 26 says this, That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Now what we've got to ask ourselves is are we facilitating the, that generation with the, with the opportunity to have perfect peace by their mind being stayed on him and because they trust in him. Right? You see, me and you, we, we, more than anything, we need truth. How, how do I get to this place to where I, I can have the mind of Christ? Well, we need truth, for one. Uh, it, Jesus, said, uh, thy word, uh, Jesus said, thy word is truth. So, so you, we need the word of God. We need the word of God on a regular basis. We need the word of God on a regular basis. It was, it was Joshua that he, he said, he said, if, if, if thou will keep, if thou will keep whatsoever I commandest thee. Joshua chapter 1, he said, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you this whole land. Wherever your foot trots, I'm going, to give, I'm, going to give, I'm going to give it all to you. If you keep that thing that I give to you, if you keep the words of God, I'm going to give it to you. So, so we need truth, but not only do we need truth, but, but we need a taking away. We need a purging. We need our minds emptied. We need an unlearning. We, we need to come to a place where we unlearn some things in our life, right? We need some things to, a place to where we can, we, can, uh, we can filter out all of the garbage that this world puts in it and all the garbage that we've put in it, okay? So we need truth, but not only do we need truth, you need the ingestion of truth. Everybody understands you need the ingestion of truth, right? But we need the taking away or the purging of some other things in our life. Man, there's some of us, we take in Bible, but we don't allow it to change us. You read your Bible, and it ain't nothing but words on a page, and you blame God for it. And it ain't got nothing to do with God. God ain't the one that's doing anything. You say, well, well, well whose fault is it? If it, ain't my, my, if, it ain't, if it ain't God's fault, then whose fault is it? Well, it could be the one reading it. Well, what am I supposed to do? There's needs to be a purging go on. Well, I'm, I'm not... I like the way I am. I like the way I think. Well, you're going to deal with your pride. You're going to deal with... You're, you're going you're to, I mean, deal with your mind. You're going to have to deal with your mind. And, and then I'll, I, want, I want you to... You're going to have to deal with your pride. Verse number six. You have to deal with your pride. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, 
but made himself of no reputation. Look what he did. And he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He was made in the likeness of men. He took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So, so he, he made himself of no reputation in that manger being birthed by Mary after the Holy Spirit had conceived inside of her, being birthed by Mary, being born as a man of no reputation, of humble beginnings, of, of, of Joseph and Mary being born, not even a place to be birthed at. Remember, remember there, there was no, how many of you remember that Christmas story? No room in the end, right? So, so there's no room. And he's born in a stall. In a place where animals are housed. And so he has, he, he, he made himself of no reputation. And then he took on him the form of a servant. Now, now how do I deal with my pride? How do I deal with my pride? Well, the easy, the easy answer is, is, is to get humble. You say, well, that, that was real simple, but, but, but that's way easier said than done, right? It's way easier said than done to get humble. Well, I, I want to I give you a verse that, that might help you. Write this verse down, James 4 and verse number 6. James 4 and verse number 6. So while I'm, I'm trying to deal, and I'm, I, I, we'll, we'll get there in a second. I'm going to give you time to write it down or turn whatever you want to do. While I'm trying to deal with my mind and while I'm trying to deal with my pride, and, and I come to the place to where I, I understand my need to make myself of no reputation and, and, and to take, uh, take on me the form of a servant, I've got to get humble. I've got to come to the place in my life to where, to where I get humble. Well, how do I get there? James 4 and verse number 6, man, it, it, is, it is an action-packed little verse on how this happens. Verse 6, he says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the what? So there is, there is an active resisting of God. I thought God accepted everybody. Well, James 4, 6 said that God resisteth some people. So, so there's some of us that God is, is, is hesitant to work in our, in our situation. And you, you know what? You know, you know what's crazy? You might actually want Him to. I know a lot of people that come to an altar. I know a lot of people that go to counseling sessions that want God to work. Man, they'll sit in my office. They'll sit, at a call, they'll sit across from me at a table drinking coffee. They'll sit on a telephone and they'll want God to work. Man, preacher, I want God to work. I need God to work in my home. I need God to work in my life. I need God to work in my relationships. But I want you to get this. You can desire God to work all you want to. But if your pride is the resisting mechanism in this whole thing to begin with, God's not going to work. You can't, you say, well, even though I desire, no, no, no. It's God.
come from a heart of humility. You can desire in your own pride for things to get better to consume upon your own lust. Listen, if I want my marriage to get better for me, probably not doing it for the right reasons. Now you say, well, what, what, what is that wrong? No, it's, it's not wrong. Because your, your marriage, if it gets better, it's going to be better for you too. But you know what the one thing that ought to be the, the driving force in our lives? The fact that we're not glorifying God with our marriage. The fact that, our, uh, that there are other people that sees our marriage in disarray. You, you know the, the one thing that, that, uh, that, that me and you, when I've, I've got my home and, and it's a mess and I want God to work and I want God to fix this and I want God to do that or my church is a wreck and I want God to do this and I want God to do that. Well, we have to ask ourselves, is, is God resisting us because of our pride? Look, look, look what he, he goes on to say, but God giveth grace to the humble. So humility gains God's grace and pride causes God to resist us. Man, that's, that's huge. You know, a lot of us misquote the verse in Proverbs about pride. And we'll say that pride comes before a fall. It's actually a haughty spirit. It's actually a, and, and it's a form of pride. But you know what? You know what really precedes pride? Destruction. Not a fall. A destruction, man, of falling apart. Just a complete falling apart. <clears throat> so, so, what's a good sign that I'm that I'm dealing with my pride? serving others good sign that I'm dealing with my pride serving others how, how do you know that well let's, let's go one more place let's, let's, John 13 sorry there's no handouts I barely made it here so we're, we're pra praise the Lord for that John 13 let's, let's just deal with what we got tonight and say praise the Lord John 13 let's, let's, <clears throat> let's see another We'll see another deal, and 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 and, and this is this one. I, I hope is as mind blowing to you as it is to me. John thirteen and verse three. <clears throat> John thirteen and, and verse number three. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him uh, given all things into his hands. And that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth up from supper and laid aside his garments 
and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now, I want you you specifically to look at verse number 5. The Bible says, Jesus knowing, Jesus knowing, Why is it so important that we, that we emphasize verse number 3? Well, because Jesus knew some things, he was okay with what he had to do in verses 4 and 5. You, you got to get this. What did he know? He knew who he was. You see that? Jesus knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand and he was come from God and he went to God. And because of that, he riseth up from supper. Jesus was not worried about becoming a servant because he knew who he was. Man, let that set deep in on you. His identity is what made him comfortable being a servant. Man, I hope you let that sink. His identity, who he was, who he knew he was on the inside, that's what made him comfortable in rising up and girding that towel when when nobody, Jesus shouldn't have been doing that. He was totally fine doing it. Why? Because he knew who he was. He didn't didn't have an identity crisis like most of us do at 40 in churches. We're acting like a bunch of 14-year-olds trying to figure out who we are going through puberty. Like we're all, like who works the pecking order around here? Man, I can remember years ago, people standing around trying to figure out who was going to clean the tables out here. And finally, I'd be like, I, I guess I'm cleaning the tables and mopping. It's all right. I mean, for real, I'd be sweeping. Brother Sean be mopping. Uh, brother, somebody, and look, everybody else standing around. You remember that? I mean, they, literally three of us took out the garbage, cleaned up. I, I mean, it was the crazy, and one of them was my wife. It was nine times out of ten, it was me, brother Sean, and Jordan. And it was almost like we, everybody was trying to establish a pecking order rank. You know why? Because everybody was trying to figure out who was better than the other one. You remember what he said? Who's going to be first, Lord? You know what Jesus said? First is going to be last. Last is going to be first. Why? Because the person in the back of the line don't care about being in the back of the line. But the, the person that's girded the towel to serve, you know what? They don't care. Why? Because they know who they are in Christ. 
They know who they are in the hands of the Father. Most of our issues that come from, from various, various relationships in our lives are still, we just don't know who we are. And so we just get plumb dumb and start doing crazy stuff. Start trying to start trying to get in the flesh and trying to figure this thing out. And it, and, and, and it don't work. And it's just the fact you hadn't sunk in the Word of God and the Word of God hadn't sunk into you. You hadn't pressed into the things of God. And them things hasn't pressed into you. And so what happens is we run around uncomfortable with being a servant. That's why we don't, that's why we don't serve. Why we don't, why we don't evangelize. Why we won't get discipleship. Why we won't give. Why we won't, why we won't sign up for things. Why we won't be involved in the ministry. Why we're so stinking dependent on everybody else that is secure in Jesus Christ to do the ministry. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. We get so caught up in going to church we forgot that we are. We are so, supposed to be the church. Jesus took on a form of a servant. Why? Because he knew who he was. Let me give you this. Give you this next one. This, you, you can just write this one down, this verse down, and you want to turn to it later, you can. Proverbs 3 and verse 26 and 27. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy, thy foot from being taken. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in thy power, when, is, when, it, is in, uh, when it is in the, hand, uh, the power of thy hand to do it. And that's a real weird verse in verse 26. You know, a few of us have been around here, uh, February will be 10 years. A, bunch, a few of us have been in church longer than 10 years, been serving the Lord longer than 10 years. And you know at times, you, you should rehearse Proverbs 3 and verse 26, for the Lord shall be my confidence. And and he shall not he shall keep my foot from being taken from being caught. Why is that? You ready? Because it seems like sometimes the more good you do, the more your feet get caught. The more you get tripped up. I heard an old guy say it like this, no good deed goes unpunished. But, 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 but it depends on what I'm doing it for. If it's in the power of thy hand to do it, then you should do it. Why? Because the Lord shall be thy confidence. 
You see, the moment we, me and you get real prideful, we won't do that thing. We'll set back. We'll set back and not do the thing that we know we're supposed to do. Man, it's just going. They're just. I, I ain't going to do that. I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. Man, maybe, maybe you just need to hear this. The Lord, sh the Lord will be your confidence. Judgment seat's coming. Judgment seat's coming, man. Let the Lord be your confidence. Uh, let me give you this last one. Uh, dem uh, you, you need to deal with your will. You need to deal with your will. You need to deal with your mind. You need to deal with your pride. You need to deal with your will. Verse 8, being found in fashion as a man, he hum, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You need to demote your will for his will. You need to deal with your will for his will. Why? Because your will is going to kill your joy. Your will is going to kill your peace. Why? Because if you're in here for your will, then you're in here for the wrong reasons. And look, I want you to be here. And if you're in here for your will and you, and you want to come all you want to come, you can come all you want to come. And I think it's a great thing. And maybe one day it'll click in your mind that I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here for my will. Praise the Lord the day it clicks. Amen? But I want you to know up front, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to be happy until you actually do embrace the cross. Until you embrace the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Until you embrace the crucified life and become obedient. There's a couple of verses that... that that might would help us. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18, if you want to write it down. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish. Them that are going to perish in an everlasting fire. It's foolishness, but unto us which are saved. It is the power of God. Matthew 16 and verse 24 says it like this. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Remember, it's always backwards with God. Like if you, if, you, if you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it. If you want to lose your life, you're going to have to save it for yourself. I think it's interesting that that Hebrews. Now you can write this verse down. Uh, Hebrews twelve and verses two and three. You go back and you read that, and it says, "For the joy, for uh, who for the joy." 
that was set before him. He's talking about the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him enduring, endured the cross. Not that he endured it with joy. It even says despising the shame. That he is despising the, the shame. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. You're going to be weary and faint in your mind at times. That this, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to happen. You're going to be weary and you're going to be faint in your, in your mind at times. And you, you do need to get back to the place to where you have to go back and look at the, the perfect picture of a servant, Jesus Christ, and him enduring, enduring the cross. Why? Why? Why would he do such a thing? Well, verse number 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now look, I, there is only one name uh, that every knee is going to bow one day, right? But I sure do want to be a part of the army of good soldiers that's fallen in rank under that name, under the captain of the Lord's host. Man, the Bible says that, that one day he, he's going to come and he's going to be riding a white horse in his vesture, that, that, that vesture that he puts on over his chest. Guess what? It's going to be dipped in blood. Jesus is going to come back as a, as a warrior. And he's going to be leading a host of soldiers. And I'd hate to know that And I'd hate to know that I couldn't be counted on as a good soldier here. Brother Mark always said it, this is the dressing room. This is the dressing room for, for the judgment seat. This is where it's played out at. This is where you do behind closed doors what you would do in the face of Jesus. Right, your faithfulness today while he's gone is proven to him how much you love him for his return. Man, some of us has got family members that's going on and we, we, man, we miss them so much and we love them so much. Man, we just can't wait to see them. We're, 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 we're beholding the day that we get to look them eyeball to eyeball. We get to see them again. And, and so we should. Man, I'd be lying if I, I said I I said I couldn't wait to, to, to see my father-in-law. Now, I'd be lying if I said I could not wait to, to see my granddad. Man, to, to see that big, giant, 
big as life smile that Mark carried around. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to shake hands with them dudes. But you know what? None of them saved me. Not one of them endured a cross. And, and you know why? Here, here we are looking forward to a place that is full of all the splendors that we hold near and dear, yet the one thing that God called us to do. Man, we totally forget it. What is that? Let this mind be in you. You need to deal with your mind. You need to deal with your pride. You need to deal with your will. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe. There will be a peace that flows out of the mind that Christ had on this planet. What was that? He endured the cross. The joy that was set before him, he endured it. Maybe you're weary and faint with that whole deal. I'm going to pray for you. And we, may we just take a minute. Man, Lord, we got three areas that need to be dealt with. How am I dealing with them? Amen. Why don't you just take a second where you are, you pray, and, and then I'll, I'll pray for you in a minute. And Lord, we Lord, we're just grateful. God, we're for one, God, we're biggest news on our street, God, what you're doing in the Brown family's life. God, I just I want to thank you. Thank you for being good and faithful. Thank you for being just. Lord, I pray to you bless your man and his and his family. God, I pray that you Lord, you help the pressures stay at one place in his brain. Lord, I, I pray that Lord, all the fluids drain like they're supposed to and, and God, no more no more surgeries have to happen. And I pray God you they move him down to a, a room that Tori can 
can stay with him at night. Be with her husband at night again. Lord, I, I pray for this, this group that, that wants to follow you, Lord. Lord, I, I pray, God, tonight, Lord, as we, we deal with our mind, Lord, we deal with our pride and we deal with our will. God, that we understand, Lord, that there is an exalting that's going to take place. Lord, Lord, you're going you're gonna to do something with the fact that, that we did take up our cross and follow you. Not that the motive is such, Lord, but that you may be glorified in us and through us. Lord, I pray for, for all of us who are wearied and faint. Lord, we get tired, we fight the flesh, and the flesh fights us. God, we just get wore out sometimes, weary in our minds. God, I pray for a supernatural refreshing, overhaul. Lord, I love you. Lord, I don't know what you're doing in what heart tonight. But I pray whatever you are doing, I pray, God, Lord, for conviction that can work past all of life's clutter. Whatever conviction is saying at the moment, whatever the Holy Ghost is using conviction to say at this moment, Lord, I pray that life's clutter, phones, friendships, Lord, people, Lord, that, that would, situations that would take away, Lord, I, I pray tonight, Lord, that that, Lord, that, that you could work straight through any of that. Work in their heart. God, bring them, if they need, if need be, Lord, bring them to a place of earnest repentance tonight. God, you're doing a great work at my buddy's place in Ocala, Florida. You're saving people and, and they're seeing a, they're seeing a great revival in their church of people being saved. God, we want to see people come to Christ. But God, it, it only happened at having the mind of Christ. Taking on us the form of a servant. Lord, use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in, in this church and through these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, um,